Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blylock entitled, What is the Cause? From our series, Detour. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm in Exodus the 13th chapter. Exodus the 13th chapter, the 17th and 18th verses this morning. Exodus 13. And this morning, we're kicking off a new series and it's simply titled, Detour. Say that with me. Detour. I want us to talk for the next three Sundays about what happens in life whenever we face an unexpected difficulty, a setback that we did not see coming. What happens to us? How do we respond whenever we're going along and we have everything mapped and we know where we want to be headed and out of the blue, something totally blindsides us and takes our life a completely different direction than we ever saw it going. How do we respond to the detours of life? How do we reply in those kinds of moments when life seems to suddenly throw us something completely unexpected? And so we're going to be talking about a detour. Say detour. The dictionary defines a detour this way. It's to turn aside. It's a roundabout way. It's a deviation from the direct way. It's a route used when the direct or regular route is closed. It is a circuitous way. That's a great word, isn't it? Circuitous. You ever felt like you were going in a circle? Yeah. We often feel like that in life. Detour. One more time. Say it with me. Detour. Uh, we don't like these moments when they come in life. They, they catch us unaware and off guard. They throw us off our footing. And sooner or later, though, every Christian faces a detour. Everyone who walks this way finds that on the road to destiny, our path gets rerouted by an unexpected setback. And the children of Israel experienced it early on in the story of their deliverance from Exodus. You see, they had it all mapped on the morning that God delivered them. They were going to be rescued from Egypt. They were going to strike out and go straight to the promised land where God had promised their ancestor Abraham to give to them. And anybody who knew where they were geographically understood that they ought to be there in under a month. One month time, and they should have gone from being slaves in Egypt to landowners in Canaan, ready to step into the destiny God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over 400 years earlier. And they should be ready to step into that moment. They had it all mapped. They had it planned. They thought they understood what God was doing. They thought they were finally on track to do what God had destined them to do all the way through their journey. And then they hit a detour. Say a detour. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18. It says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. God led them in a roundabout way. Has that ever been your story? God leads you in a roundabout way. Amen. I live near a roundabout. And so I live out off the roundabout, right off Dawes and Greelot. And it's funny, you know, you get in that thing, and, you know, we've learned our way, and we know how to drive in them now. But if you've never been around one of those, you can get stuck in that thing and just keep going forever, can't you? And I want to tell you, there's lots of people in Mobile don't know how to use them. Amen. 
Now, lots of people like them, you know. I, I know Jack loves the roundabout. Sandra says Jack will drive out of the way to get to use the roundabout. He loves them, right? They remind him of Paris. Yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. But most of us, we may not mind driving in them, but we don't like them when they come our way in real life. Amen? We don't like being led in a roundabout way. We want to be led in a direct way. We, good, efficient American Christians, know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And we like to travel from A to B by the shortest possible route. And all of a sudden, God begins to throw the whole alphabet soup at us. And instead of going from A to B, he throws in C, D, R, Q, L, M, N, O, P, right? And we're just going all over the map. And we wonder, Lord, what are you up to in my life? Difficulty, unexpected roadblocks, hindrances, things we didn't see coming, detours happen to us. And just like the Israelites, we often believe God's going to take us on the fastest, easiest, shortest from here to heaven once we trust Jesus. And for most of us, that has not been our experience. Amen? There are very few people who are like the thief on the cross. Amen? Who get saved at 2 o'clock and are in heaven by 5 o'clock. Right? That just doesn't happen real often. Most of us, that's not the route we take. It's a lot longer on the journey from here to home for most of us. And it is a circuitous route. It's a roundabout way. It is not the shortest route. I wanted to give you three thoughts about detours this morning, and I want to answer one big question. The thing we really want to do over the next three weeks is answer three questions, and today's question is, what is the cause? Whenever we are set back in life, our first question is, why is this happening to me? Lord, what are you up to? What is the reason for this? Why has my life taken an unexpected left turn? Why is this happening? We all wrestle with that question. Now, I was taught for years that Christians ought not ask God why. And then I read the Bible and found out that Christians always seem to ask God why. Amen? Uh, David asked God why. Job asked God why. Jesus prayed why from the cross. And so I believe we have more permission than we give ourselves to be honest with God about our questions. Now, I warn you, I've often not gotten a clear answer when I've asked God why. But I've always found a listening ear and a heart of grace to help me get through my time of trouble, and so will you. But we're invited to bring our questions to God. And so today, what is the cause of detours? Next week, when will my course correct? The next thing we want to know is not only why it happened, but how long will I be on this detour, right? We'll talk about that next Sunday morning. And then Labor Day weekend, for those of you who are not enjoying your last hurrah at the beach, we'll be talking about how can I cope in the meantime. How do I handle the detour? What can I do while I'm in the middle of all these other letters between A and B. How do I live and cope with the detours? So today, let's jump in. What is the cause of detours? What is the cause? Say that with me. What is the cause? Well, let me tell you three things about detours that I found from God's Word. Number one, detours are always unexpected. Say unexpected. By definition, a detour is something we didn't see coming. It's something we didn't plan on. It's not the way we planned it. We know the route we were taking, and we got out on the road absolutely clear about where we were headed, and then out of nowhere, this flashing yellow sign appears, and it takes us off the predetermined route, and we don't know where we're going or how long we'll be there. We just know it suddenly got a lot more difficult than we intended. We know where we've headed and how long it takes and our map to our intended destination, and then something goes wrong. I think about family vacations and how much they've changed. Some of you will relate to this. The way that 
my family takes a vacation now compared to the way the family that I grew up in took vacations. My mom and dad's way of taking a vacation, and many of you can remember and even relate to this, they woke up on the appointed day, mom packed one suitcase that had everything in it, a cooler of RC colas, Vienna sausages, and bologna sandwiches. Amen. Iced them down. We figured out that morning where we wanted to head. We going to the Smokies or the Ozarks. Well, we've never been to the Ozarks. Well, let's go there. And Dad would reach in the glove box and pull out this map that I never could figure out how to fold back and get in place. Remember that big map? I mean, it folds out like 16 times, right? And it only goes back one way and fits in the glove box. And I still don't know if I could get it back in the glove box. But Dad had that map, and he'd unfold that map. And every town we went in, he'd buy one. He had like 10 of them in the glove box. He'd find the state we were going, and he would map the route. And so he had his ink pen, and he would draw the line of where we were going, and we'd figure out. He'd decide where we're going, unfold the map, start driving without any clue where we would spend the night, what we were going to eat, other than the bologna sandwiches and Vienna sausages. I guess that was the plan. Motels were chosen when we got into town by the vacancy sign and usually the price listed outside, right? Oh, that one's $10 cheaper. We're staying there. Dad, I think somebody got killed there. It doesn't matter. It's $10 cheaper. We're staying there, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I think about that way of doing vacation. And you got there and you found stuff after you got there and you did whatever you found brochures and signs to do and then you drove home when the, man, when the money and the bologna sandwiches ran out. You came back home, right? And that was vacation. I think about the way Shay and I take vacation now. For months in advance, we research possible locations. We meticulously scour the internet for the best deals on room rates and prices on attractions. And we plan an hourly itinerary for every day of the trip. What we're going to do to get the most out of our trip. I make sure the oil is changed and the tires are rotated and the gas tank is filled up the day before the trip so we can wake up and go. We load the van down and instead of one suitcase, everybody in our family has his or her own suitcase, right? Smile, Barbara. I'm talking about y'all, right? Yes, absolutely. Amen. I've traveled with y'all. I've seen it. Amen. I, 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 I went to New York with y'all. I've seen it. This man, it's some suitcases with we make sure everybody's got a suitcase. Not only does everybody have a suitcase, everybody also has a personal carry-on for their seat in the van. A little backpack, and it's got their own snacks and their coloring books and their games, and, their, and everybody's got their own charger for their iPod or their device. I mean, this looks nothing like my mom and dad's vacation. It takes a lot of pre-planning to get our crew on the road. It does. And you know what? We wouldn't dare strike out without hotel reservations and checking and making sure we've got a room so that when we get there, we don't know what we're going to do, but I know where I'm going to sleep. Amen? And it's not going to be in the car, and it's not going to be in the Bates Motel. Amen? It, I'm going to have a good place to lay my head. That's how we do vacation. We pull through the coffee shop. We load Google Maps on our iPhone. We leave with a detailed understanding of our route. And within five minutes, I can tell you what time we will arrive at our destination, thanks to Siri, right? Yeah. I know exactly where I'm going, how I'll get there, and how long it's going to take. And I leave with a, a, a red eye in one hand and my playlist in the other, and I'm ready to go. And then life happens. And it doesn't ever go like we've got it written down on the sheet of paper. And I think I may as well have done it the way my daddy did it, right? Detours happen. Life hits us. Setbacks, unexpected things get thrown at us 
on the journey. Our often series suggests an alternate route, warning of a one-hour traffic delay ahead, and or else she just spins and shouts, recalculating, recalculating, and I realize she's as lost as I am in that moment, right? She doesn't know where she is. Amen. Life is like that. We pick our destination. We lay out our three, five, and ten-year goals. We plan the work and work the plan. And then a detour happens. Out of nowhere, this big flashing orange sign comes into our view, and we are set back. The traffic officer shunts us off the interstate, down some side road, and we're going through a neighborhood, and there's a school we've never seen before. And we don't know how long we're going to be there, this little windy road. And, but our clearly defined route and estimated arrival times have gone out the window. You know, life takes unexpected turns like that. Detours are always unexpected. Say unexpected. Like a boss giving us a pink slip when we didn't see any idea that we'd be losing a job. The company announces a layoff and we know we don't have enough seniority to survive it this time around. Our doctor refers us to the specialist and then the specialist says we need surgery or some kind of invasive treatment. Or worse, the doctor comes in and says we caught it too late and you need to set your affairs in order. You talk about a big detour, a detour with a six-month sign attached to it. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? A spouse who dies unexpectedly. A child's marriage that ends in divorce and suddenly our extended family is in turmoil and we suddenly don't even know what the holidays are going to look like anymore. One of the grandkids gets arrested on a drug charge and we are spinning out of control and don't know what we can do. For some reason, we always seem to be caught off guard by the setbacks of life. We never seem to be ready or prepared for them. You know, people say expect the unexpected. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, if I'm expecting it, it's not unexpected anymore, right? I mean, how do you expect the unexpected? And for some reason, we're always caught off guard when life throws us a curveball. That's part of the course. We tend to assume that things are going to be like they were yesterday. We think that troubles like these befall other people, but they won't really land on our doorstep. If we're honest, we imagine them happening to someone else. We don't ever imagine that it's us who gets the phone call that changes everything in our lives, right? And when it happens, it really hits us like a sucker punch coming flying out of the dark. And yet Jesus warned us, in the world you will have tribulation. Say that with me. In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus warned us. We will have detours in life. Amen? Detours are always unexpected. But the second point today is this. Detours are never unusual. They're not unusual. If you read the Bible, you realize that this often is the path of God's people. I was preparing for the sermon this week, and I was thinking, what are some examples in the Bible of people who experience detours? So in my mind, I started walking through. I said, well, let's start at the beginning of the Bible. You know what? I didn't make it out of the book of Genesis before I realized that every major character in the book of Genesis had a detour. Some of them were their own fault. Some of them were not their fault at all. But every major character in the first book of the Bible had a detour. Adam woke up one day, and by the end of the day, he's homeless, right? Amen. That's a pretty big detour, amen? He didn't know that was going to happen when he woke up that morning. Big detour. Abel wakes up one morning and offers God a sacrifice and by the evening, they're planning his funeral. You talk about a detour for his family. They didn't see that one coming. You hear about a man named Noah in the Bible who, who God taps him on the shoulder when he's an old man and says, I want you to build the biggest boat that anyone has ever seen. 
your life is about to take a very major detour. And all of a sudden, everything broke loose in his life. Something amazing happens there. Abraham and Sarah spent 25 years waiting on God to keep a promise of a son and a piece of property that they were to inherit. Isaac dies in his youth on a sacrifice on top of Mount Moriah. Boy, that's, that'll throw you a curveball, won't it? You wake up one morning, and Dad's got a knife, and you're about to be offered up in human sacrifice. That's not on anybody's radar, is it? Isaac experienced a great detour. Jacob spent 14 years of his life in Laban's house reaping from the unfair treatment he had visited on his, on his older brother Esau earlier in his own life. That's a pretty major detour, 14-year setback. Joseph, Jacob's son, his entire life story gets hijacked by the jealousy of his brothers who fought, he ends up uh, sold into slavery, exiled in a foreign land, falsely imprisoned, and then elevated, finally, to second-in-command in the nation of Egypt to save God's chosen famine. You hit the Exodus and you get Moses, who has this 40-year stint of being a shepherd in the wilderness that doesn't seem to have anything to do with God's call on his life, and yet it prepares him to lead God's people in deliverance. Detours are always unexpected, but they're never really unusual. Say they're not unusual. If you read the Bible, they happen pretty often. Most all God's people pass this way. They all go through detours. We used to sing a song in the church called God Leads Us Along. And the chorus said, some through the waters, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. God leads his people through a circuitous route in a roundabout way, not the shortest, straightest path. He just doesn't do that. 1 Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, this isn't unusual. If you are experiencing a setback or a detour today, understand it is not really that unusual. It is not a strange thing, the Bible says, to go through a season like this in your life. Our text this morning we just read, God did not lead them along the main road. Say the main road. He didn't lead them on the main road, even though that was the shortest route, right? No. Verse 18 tells us very clearly, He led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness. And often we feel like we're being led through the wilderness. Remember that detours are not unusual. That ought to bring us great comfort in life. Because sometimes when I experience a setback, I'm tempted to think God's picking on me. Hello? I'm tempted to think God has singled me out and that God is somehow hammering me. And it's easy to get discouraged and to begin to doubt that God loves me or that God is really for me. Often Satan accuses our hearts to make us believe we've done something to earn God's displeasure and we're being punished by the detour. Unbelievers and people who don't know God may make fun of us for trusting in Him that if God was good or God was powerful that God would do something and we wouldn't be experiencing the detour that we're in right now. But we have to understand that many of the detours though unexpected were on God's map the entire time. They didn't sneak up on God. God knows the route. Amen? Job 23 and 8 through 11. I love what Job says in the middle of his detour. You talk about a man that had a detour. Job had a detour, right? He wakes up one day and his whole life gets turned inside out 
by lunchtime that day. The Bible says Job cried out to the Lord, Look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I cannot see him. That's exasperating, isn't it? But then Job says these words, But he knows the way I take. I don't know what God's doing, but God knows what God's doing. I don't understand my path, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his ways and not turned aside. Sometimes we just have to follow the track God lays out for us, even though it is not the one we would have picked. Detours are, listen, they're always unexpected. They're never unusual, and they are sometimes understandable. Say understandable. Sometimes we can see the traces of God's hand at work enough to figure out what God may be up to in these moments. Now sometimes we don't get an answer. Sometimes we don't have a clue. We're just blind to it and we have to trust God and walk through by faith. But the first question we ask is, why? Lord, why is this happening to me? Why this setback? Well, let me, let me close with some clues today before we leave one another's company. And let me give you some options. Let me give you three options. Our hearts want to know, why is this happening? Sometimes the answer remains a mystery, but sometimes the reasons for the detour become clear over time. And let me give you three. Number one, sometimes we're on the wrong road. Say the wrong road. Sometimes we experience a detour because we're on the wrong road to begin with. And God has to reroute us and get us back in the pathway of His will. Sometimes we just miss God. Sometimes we miss His will for our lives. We get off track, and He has to reroute us to get us on the right way. We need to allow for that possibility. Sometimes we're on the wrong path. Paul and his companions on their mission trip uh, made two false starts, the Bible says. They tried to go one direction, and the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not right. They tried to go the other direction, and the Holy Spirit shut the door and would not allow them to enter that country. And finally, as they prayed and waited on God, God sent them a vision, and they said, now we understand where God wants us to go. And they struck out for Macedonia, met a man named Luke, won him to the Lord, and changed the history of Europe with the gospel. You and I are here today with the gospel because Paul went to Europe that day and didn't go to Asia that day. You understand that? That was a big deal. The detour changed world history. It matters that we be on the right road. Sometimes that happens to us. Sometimes we get on the wrong road. Sometimes our sinful choices lead us away from God's original purpose. At times it may even cancel the trip completely and then God leads us on a journey we never saw coming and things go a completely different route. Sometimes we make decisions without consulting God. Anybody ever done that? It looks good, but we didn't pray about it. We didn't hear from God. We didn't get peace about it. And we jumped out there and did it. I want to tell you, God will bless His way, but He won't always bless my way. Amen. Big decisions need to be run by God and run through the counsel of some people we trust, hear from God, and will help us pray. And sometimes we get off track and God has to reroute us. Sometimes that is the path for us. Sometimes we stubbornly reject and our selfish ambition delays us. Like the little church sign that said everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you're dumb and make bad decisions, right? I've done that before. And then we reap the fruit of bad decisions. You've all heard my story about going home from Gulf Shores to Mississippi by way of Selma. I won't embarrass myself and tell that story again. You can get on the wrong road in a hurry. And by the way, if you're from Mississippi, you don't know that Moffett Road's Highway 98 in my defense. 
Amen. Just didn't know that. That would have been helpful. We get on the wrong road, and God has to reroute us and get us back in the path that he has for us. Sometimes there, these delays happen. Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief and their hard-headedness. God had to take them the long way around. But this idea is more complex than it seems on the surface. We can usually make peace with the fact that we've done something that led us into a detour. When I make a wrong turn and it takes me a few minutes to get back on track, I can deal with that. It's a lot harder when the detour had nothing to do with my choices, isn't it? And sometimes we face a season of life where we didn't do anything to cause it. We didn't do anything to bring it on ourselves, and yet it happens. Sometimes I'm not on the wrong road. Sometimes I'm on the right road, and I get hit by somebody else driving the wrong way. Amen? We live in this life with other people, and it's not just God's will involved. There are a lot of other human beings, and their will involved, and that makes the water a little murkier, and that makes the drive a little less safe because sometimes their cars go careening out of control, and they intersect with the car you're in. And sometimes we get knocked out of our lane because other people made bad decisions and sinful choices. And we get caught up in the flow of traffic with them. You may be married to a spouse who doesn't walk with the Lord. And now their sinful choices are affecting your family. You may have a child or a parent who has made some awful decisions. And now you're being negatively affected by that because you're not the only car on the road. Sometimes we're impacted negatively by others. Remember the story of whose sin cost Israel to be defeated in the battle of Ai. Remember Jeremiah, who was taken against his will down to Egypt and died there, even though he didn't want to go there to begin with, because someone else took him on their journey against his will. That happens sometimes. Sometimes the general impact of living in a fallen world just happens to us. Remember the story of the blind man in John 9? When they, the disciples meet him, their first question is, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? They're trying to make sense of this man's detour. Why is this man in this shape? Lord, surely somebody did something that caused this. And Jesus looks at him and says, he didn't sin and neither did his parents. In other words, it's not always that simple. Life isn't always that easy. It's not always that cause and effect. It's not always that, that, that minute. Sometimes it's a lot more complicated than that. Jesus said, no, this happened that the glory of God would be revealed, and then Jesus heals him, and people understand who Jesus is. You know, the, the, perhaps the more technical right, right answer would have been, who sinned, this man or his parents? Well, Adam and Eve sinned. That's what happened to this guy. This man lives in a world that's fallen, and sinful, and under the curse of sin. And because we live in that world, bad things happen to good people. Bad things even happen to God's people. Because we still live in a world that hasn't been fully redeemed yet. And it won't be until Jesus comes again. Then there's Satan who takes advantage of the fallenness of the world. He takes advantage of the sinfulness of others. And oftentimes he takes advantage of people under his control to create problems for those of us who are trying to live for God and walk with God. And oftentimes we get bumped by other people who are on the opposing team. That happens. Say that happens. That's a detour, guys. And it's not always as simple. Sometimes it's because we're on the wrong road. Sometimes somebody hits us on that road. Let me give you another reason. Sometimes other pieces of God's plan are not yet in place. 
Sometimes other pieces of God's plan are not yet in place. I think sometimes we forget that in order for us to reach our destiny, lots of things have to click into place at the same moment. Lots of things have to happen at the same time for it all to be right. When you think about the fullness of time when Jesus was born, how many things had to line up and be ready for that moment to happen? God had to work really hard, and He had to move a lot of different pieces into place at one moment for everything to click in order for the time to be right to send His Son into the world. Can I tell you, your life is complicated. Say it's complicated. That's not just a Facebook status. That's a reality, amen? Life is complicated. And sometimes, even though we feel that we're ready, the other pieces of the puzzle are not ready yet. There are other things that God has got to move into place for us to be able to step into His plan for us. I think about my mom cooking supper. The dressing might be ready, but the vegetables she's cooking on top of the stove are not quite done yet. So mom just turns off the oven, peels back the, the foil, and lets it sit and brown a little bit. Now technically the dressing's ready, but the problem is we're not ready for the dressing. Amen? And so the dressing's got to sit a little while until the rest of the meal is prepared. Sometimes you're the dressing. <laughs> Sometimes you and I are sitting in the trial, baking, sweating the heat, going, God, this is really not comfortable. I would really like for this to move on. But the other pieces aren't in place yet. I'm sure the Virgin Mary was not thrilled when she received the word that she had to ride for three days on a donkey a week before her due date. It seemed like a horrible inconvenience, didn't it? But God had promised hundreds of years earlier, that his son would not be born in Nazareth, where Mary was, but that he would be born in Bethlehem. And so God moved all the pieces, including a change in the Roman tax code, to get Mary down to Bethlehem at just the right moment for that baby to be born so everyone would know that his promise was true and this baby was the one. Wow. But sometimes you don't care when it's day two and you're Mary on the donkey, right? <laughs> it's hard to make peace with the fact that God is moving the other puzzle pieces in place and I've just got to be patient. But the bottom line is this. Life is too complex for us to understand all the notes that have to be played at the same moment in God's great symphony. The only thing we can do sometimes is play the line written for our instrument and trust that the conductor knows where the music is taking us. We've got to trust him. Sometimes the other pieces are not ready. And finally, let me give you a third one. Sometimes we are not ready for the destination. Say we're not ready. Sometimes the destination isn't ready for us. Sometimes we're not ready for the destination. What do you mean? There are times God will put a dream in your heart. He will put a purpose in your life. He will call you. He, you will sense that you're supposed to do something for his kingdom. And you're ready to jump out there and just go do it. The problem is, if God gave it to you right now, you couldn't handle it. Because you're not ready for it yet. And God has to do some developing of our character to get us ready so that when we step into that place, we can handle it. Oftentimes, we're not ready just yet. Joseph dreamed of ruling Egypt at age 17. Was he ready to rule Egypt at age 17? No. He couldn't even navigate his 11 brothers at age 17, much less a whole country, right? He couldn't handle the politics at his house, much less the politics in the governor's mansion. He was 17 years old. It took years for God to get him ready for his destiny. It should have taken three weeks to get Israel out of Egypt and into Canaan, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. 
You hear me? Sometimes God has to get some stuff out of us before we're ready for what He's called us to do. Sometimes in order to deal with a deficiency in my own heart, oftentimes God will delay a dream. He knows that if He granted it now, I couldn't handle it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will use a season of delay to deal with something in my own life, an area of unconfessed sin, an unsurrendered attitude, a blind spot on my character that He has temporarily overlooked in His mercy, but finally gets to the place where He says, I've left you alone in this area long enough. Now it's time for you to grow up here. And all of a sudden, an issue that you didn't think was a big deal to God, God closes in and comes for. And He sets you on the side. He puts you on a detour route in order to reveal your heart and show you what He's coming after. Sometimes my faith needs strengthening so I can trust Him more. Sometimes the next season will require me to hear from God and I'm not listening. So God has to put me on a detour so I'll draw close because you pay close attention to the signs when you're on a detour, right? Because you don't know where you're headed. You've got to watch and you've got to pay attention. Sometimes God puts me on a detour so I'll draw close and pay attention to Him. Sometimes the next step will require great perseverance and I'm not long enough yet. And so God has to put me on a detour to develop my strength and build my faith so that when I step into my destiny, I can bear up under the load and the strain of it without breaking under the pressure. Sometimes God has great things up ahead, and we don't have the foggiest notion, but He knows we must be strong enough and mature enough, and so He schools us in the path of setbacks and detours. Are you in a detour today? Maybe you're here, and you feel like, man, my life took a side road. Maybe it was yesterday or maybe it was two years ago. And you are stuck wondering, when am I going to get back on track? When am I going to get back to the way I planned and hoped things would go? Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was something that happened legally. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was an illness. I don't know what happened, but something set you on the circuitous route. Something has sent you on the roundabout way through the wilderness today. And you realize that that's where you are. Can I encourage you today? I want to close with the words of an old hymn by a guy named William Cooper, penned in 1733. William Cooper was a contemporary of John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. Cooper often struggled with detours and depression. In fact, shortly after writing the hymn, he depression and even tried to end his own life, but God delivered him and brought him through that great trial. And in the midst of dealing with with depression and darkness and detour, he pins these words. Hear the words of this old hymn. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Here's my favorite verse. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessing on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. Isn't that great? Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain, but God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. If we will trust God in the meantime, there will be a day we look back 
from the mountaintop on the valley through which we passed and understand God had a purpose in my pain. God did not waste my suffering. God developed me into the man or woman I was supposed to be even though he took me through the detour to get there. Will you stand with me all over God's house? Chad's going to come lead us in a closing song. God loves you and he knows the way that you take today. And I want to encourage you that your detour didn't sneak up on God. It didn't catch God unawares or off guard. The good news today is that God is bigger than your detour. Say that with me. God is bigger than your detour. Maybe you're in the middle of a mess that you made. Pastor, what can I do? Well, the first thing you, we need to do is get things right with God. It won't magically erase all the negative consequences of choices you made in the past. But it will reconnect you with God. It will hook your spiritual GPS back up to His so that He can reroute your life and get you back into His will. And even though that may not look exactly like you thought it would on the front end, can I tell you something? It can still be a beautiful, fruitful, blessed place. Amen. But you've got to trust Him. Maybe you're in the middle of a mess that somebody else made for you. You there today? <laughs> somebody else ran into your life. Somebody else, their vehicle intersected with yours. God sees you today, and like Joseph, what other people intended for evil, God can turn for good. We have to live our lives by this one simple conviction as the people of God. Kay Arthur pointed out many years ago in her precept study on the Gospel of John that in John 10, the Bible says that God's people are located in the hands of the Father. It says, you are in my Father's hands and no one can pluck you from my Father's hands. Well, if I, K. Arthur said, if I'm in God's hands, that means anything that comes into my life was filtered through loving fingers. Can I tell you today, whatever detour you're on, God may not have caused it, but in some way in His grace and sovereignty, God has permitted it. And whatever is in your life today was filtered through loving fingers. And God will not waste the route that you're on right now. You weren't expecting it. It sneaked up on you and caught you off guard. God was not blindsided. God is with you in the middle of it. And although you may not be able to understand at this moment, God is going to work something good out of your detour. God causes all things, say all things, to work together for the good of them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Even when I've made mistakes and messed things up, God can weave that back into the tapestry. Even when others have made a mess that I'm having to deal with, God sees it and like Joseph, He will work it out for my good and His glory. If your heart is turned toward Him today, then you're not lost. He's ordering your steps. He's guiding your vessel. His plans are good. He can be trusted to finish what He started in your life. You can surrender to Him and you can rest in Him today. Well, Pastor, what will I do? How will I deal with it? How long will it last? Hey, we'll talk about that in the next two Sundays. This morning, I want you to be able to make peace with the fact that whether you can trace and understand it now or not, anchor your heart in what you know to be true about God. Years ago, when J.J. Jasper, AFA radio host, received news that his son had been killed in a tragic accident, his other children were away at a summer camp, and he knew the news would reach them before he could physically drive and get to them. So he called them on the phone, gathered them around a speakerphone, and as he prepared to break the news about their, father's, their brother's unexpected death, he said to them these words, Before I tell you what I have to share with you, I want you to remember everything you know to be true and good about God.
And I want to tell you that some of us today, right in the middle of our detour, what we need the most is to take five minutes and focus our eyes on Jesus and say, even though I may not know for quite a while why my life has taken the side road, I believe, I choose to believe and I choose to operate out of this fact. I know that God is good. I know that God loves me. I know that God is with me and has not forsaken me. I know that God is bigger than my detour. And I know that I can trust Him. And I know that He has a purpose in the circuitous path that I'm having to take right now. Listen, detours come whether you know the Lord or not. But I would so much rather be connected to my heavenly GPS and have a voice in my ear going, it's okay, turn right here. Now turn left right here. Now I'm going to walk you through it. The Bible says in that day you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. If you're here today, I urge you, make sure you're drawing close to God because He's the only one who can keep you safe through the detour. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I sense the sweetness and the gentleness of your spirit moving among us. Lord, this is a tender moment because some of our people are here today and they came and they know their heart's just really raw because life has hit them unexpectedly. Lord, I pray this morning as we sing, focus our eyes on you, that you'd speak to their heart. And maybe in this moment, if they need to come and take just a couple minutes and kneel and say, Jesus, I choose to fix my eyes on you. I choose to believe what's true about you. You love me and you are for me. Lord, I want to make sure the line is clear between me and you because I need you more than ever to guide me through this season. And by faith, I choose to trust you through my detour. Holy Spirit, help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not going to linger long. I don't want to keep you needlessly. But if you need to come and pray, take a moment. Reconnect your heart with the Lord. Let somebody pray with you this morning. God will help you navigate the detour. He will show you the path. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.